One, two, three, four. Tell me that you want some more. Welcome, everybody. This is Sharon Smith, and this is I Am Big Poetry Podcast presents Real Poetry. I am here with my two co-hosts, Auntie Vice and Marvin. Woo! What up? Well, today, folks, we are going to talk about the 2018 movie, We Are Animals. It stars in the movie um, Raul Castillo, Evan Rosario, Sheila Vade, Isaiah Christian, and Jonah Gabriel. Now, majority of these people, you probably never heard of. I never heard of them. Not even one of them. But they, they do have a real good meaning to the whole movie itself. It's actually funny. Um, the mom, her name is Sheila Vade. She actually played in, a, she's actually starred in a couple of um, TV shows and movies. One TV show, 24, The New Legacy. She was in that. Uh, Raul Castillo. He was, um, he's been in a few movies, mostly indie movies and stuff, but neither here or there. This movie itself was back in 2018. It basically um, came out in Brazil. The director is Jeremiah Zagar. The book that is written from, the screenplay is written from, is called Justin Torres. The, uh, the, the thing is called We Are Animals by Justin Torres. And the movie itself grossed um, $400,000 $400, in the box office. And the story of the movie, the, story, the overview or the story of the movie is Manny, Joe, and Jonah tear their way through childhood. Their mother and father have, volatile relation, make a, have a volatile relationship that makes and unmakes the family many times, often leaving the boys fending for themselves. As their parents ripped each other, rip at one another, Manny and Joe harden and grow into versions of their father. With the Tudorit's um, fracture, Jonah, who is the youngest, becomes increasingly aw aware of his desperate need to escape. Driving to the, driven to the edge, Jonah embraces an imaginary world all on, his, all on his own. So, with that in mind, Tell me, which one wants to go first to comment on this movie? I really like this movie. There was just so much that wasn't said, but said in such nonverbal ways that I connected very well to that feeling. And I didn't even know that it was a book beforehand. So this definitely, watching this definitely made me want to read the book purely because like I said, if it's so nonverbal in its emotion and its ability to tell you how the main character is feeling in such a way and you completely get what he's feeling, I have to know what that book is telling, able to present to me in words. What are you on, T-Bus? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fairly unique in the story it was telling. I haven't seen similar stories in other films. Um, I like the way, um, you know, it comes from the kid's point of view and the animation in it is, is beautiful. It's very reminiscent of the way they used animation in Hedwig and the Angry Inch, um, in, in telling the story. And, um, yeah, no, I, th overall, I, I really enjoyed the film. 
there was definitely something captivating about how he drew it. Like I said, it just says so much without telling you anything. Mm-hmm. So this, this movie was um, presented in the 2018 Sundance film, um, festival it didn't win an award but it was it produced it was presented it in and the movie itself i assume it's generally as i read from commentaries before it that even though he doesn't you don't see the poetry he's writing or the the essays he's writing you see the imagery he's he's putting out for what his day has been or what's going on they they painted the whole situation as this is what poetry feels the feeling of poetry because every image itself you can you can almost see that someone wrote that and now they're trying to show you in film this is what it looks like what that person's thought process was like in from film so well i don't more think the f- it's so much their thought process is the emotions that are coming across right and i think I the can- film did a really good job at capturing that p- aspect of it I completely agree with anti-vice here. Like, I feel like written-wise, I mean, the character Jonah, was it? He's described as a 10-year-old child. I wouldn't expect a 10-year-old child, like we said with the kindergarten teacher, to come up with something that is coherent and for me to fully understand. But I remember reading somewhere or being told somewhere, like, the psychiatrist would give these young children, like, these paper pages and... When they're like in abusive homes, those kids won't tell them anything, but they will draw it out. And I kind of looked mm-hmm. at it in the same way with Jonah, where he doesn't tell you fully everything that he experiences at home, feels, or thinks. But when he draws it out, it's such a tribal, so raw that you immediately know that he's very aware of what's going on in his life. Exactly. Exactly. And I think this one as compared with some of the others we've watched, really does a much better job of capturing the voice of a kid telling their story and not a, you know imposing adult language and processing mm-hmm. onto what's actually going on for the kid. And I appreciated that aspect of it. Oh, definitely. I mean, even the drawings, it's so reminiscent mm-hmm. of how cave drawings look like. Where, And I couldn't help but think about that when like especially with what the title was called we the animals mm-hmm. it had a very cave-like drawing to it there was no fe- facial features or anything it was just scribbles and these crude drawings of human-like figures so so let's go to let's go down the list of the people so the so it seemed like the mom and the father both had night jobs father was basically a security guard while the mom was basically working at a factory this was this was this was supposed to be uh, up in uptown up, new york upstate upstate mm-hmm. upstate upstate new york so i it was probably it was probably fitting when he was talking to the when they're basically were stealing and you know they you know because they basically because mom because dad left mm-hmm. and mom wasn't going to make no food and they basically were scrap you know they went in kind of a animalistic rage, trying to find stuff they can to get their stuff going, and they just thought, "Well, we need to f- we need to get food, so we need to steal something." So they say they say divide and conquer. So it's just a funny thing how that played out. What do you think about that? Well, I don't really have much to say on the divide and conquer though. But one thing I didn't really notice about the movie is kind of like how you said how they went to a rage when the dad left. Every moment in this film 
it seemed like Giona was at his happiest when he was essentially half naked with his brothers. That kind of keyed into this innocence, this part of him that where he just had so much fun being mm-hmm. wild and free, essentially. And then the moment when he they were forced to steal or go out into the world. Every time you see him dressed, he is just so much more reserved mm-hmm. because exactly. there's this, this need for him to not express, but just to do something that he just clearly does not want to do. So even the fact that his, um, as they point out, even though the fact that his brothers were kind of growing up to be somewhat like, their father's ver like a little version of their father. His his basic thing was being close to his mother, mm-hmm. and even even with the whole even with the first you know the first side of it when he basically was taught how to swim you know basically that whole situation and you, you see that kept as a as a constant reminder of him drowning through the whole movie you know basically him drowning with every visual or or somewhat psychedelic nightmare but every time he was thinking of something he always had a point of him always having his face under underwater and looking at a situation so it was was very surreal that he basically had a whole um he took drowning differently than what his mom probably did because his mom mostly took it as enraged and was you know attacking the father where he took it as kind of this moment of fear this is this is where my fear is you know and then it kind of changed out when he did the whole grave thing and he looked at it and said, this is my grave. And then he had that whole float above the, the, um, the world moment. And you see that that kind of changed his, his whole meaning from being, being in the water to now being above the, you know, being like a, uh, an Eagle flying in the air and doing, and they actually use that to the whole, as like a transformation to the movie. What do you think about that? Well, I think it was more, they used it as a metaphor throughout, which is what made it feel more like from a kid's point of view, because so much of play is metaphor. And like when you work with kids and play therapy, the play is a metaphor for what they're going through. Mm -hmm. So the drowning would be a metaphor of drowning where he's at and in his emotions and with his family. And then, you know, the, the death and rising and is again, a metaphor for, you know, becoming free and that, leads into the resolve of the movie at the end and all of that. Mm-hmm. Did you feel there was one part of the movie that caught my attention the most beyond the father's striking mom and stuff. It was when dad lost his job, the truck broke down. They're all, you know, all the, the, the boys and dad are right in the back. You know, they're having this little, little powwow yelling moment. Mm-hmm. And then when dad gets home and the wife comes out, he basically tells her, well, we can never escape this. We mm-hmm. can't, we can't leave. We, we can never escape this. They can never, they can never escape this. It was almost like the sign of defeat that poverty has a grip on them so hard that they can never, there's no way out. And well, I was like, huh. If you've grown up poor, and you know, I was one of those people who did grow up real poor. That's what it feels like: is you just are never gonna escape, and shit keeps piling on, and that kind of desperation and depression and feeling trapped—that's 
that's what it is. That's what it is to go through all of that and be that shitty. Like, yeah, I think I think there's some truth in that. Like, I completely get where the dad came from mm-hmm. when he's just feeling so beaten down from life when he from losing, getting fired to his car immediately breaking down, and he's trying to pick himself back up while his kids are doing this great little drumming session in the bed of the truck while it's getting towed. But then, and he's happy. There's just this. Mm-hmm point where he's just so carefree but then he sees his wife this realistic tether that pulls him back to the earth and damn i could feel that moment where he shatters mm-hmm. like there's there's truth to be said about that there's truth to be said about how poverty like on tv said can severely impact you and how your mental health is i mean we were trying we we're trying to figure out if there was like a the was there how how long the span was because it seems like it was either from summer to winter the kids went through like this whole transformation the you know mm-hmm. the boy it was like just like they had their youth in the summertime you know even though family was you know still having struggles they had their youth in the summertime then so we can say that's a six month span then you know dad left for so long comes back, you know, tries to get the family back together. Um, then, you know, you know, still working the job, which I'm surprised still have the job. Um, and then, you know, at the, you know, f- digs this hole for no reason at all. And like everything, everything that happened in the movie, there was almost like each thing had a metaphor to it. Mm-hmm. And then, well, hmm? go oh, go ahead. I'm sorry about that. No, no, go ahead. no I was just going to say, I was just going to say, you can, you can, you can, every piece of this movie can have, I mean, when they're still into the, when they go to the, the old man's home and try to steal, and we're stealing tomatoes from him, and then he got caught, and then he basically, you're hungry, you know, introduce him to Dustin, and all the, all the things he does downstairs. It seemed like everything that they were doing, they all were just kind of growing up in, they're not separate, but they're all growing up in a, a different way. Vir- virginly and even the brothers got to the point where as they, as they point out they started becoming like their father you know drinking smoking you know just like they basically went it sounds like they went into their puerto rican side that's what i was saying whereas jonah was like i i am i want to be close to mom i want to hold this when i can and i was kind of it i don't know how to say it, it just it just seemed like a lot of a lot of it the six month span, a whole a whole transition changed. Even though he was ten, I thought they all. I thought they were like. I, did, I thought they did like years. Like the boys became thirteen or fourteen or something. I thought they got a big old change or something. I, I thought it was years. I didn't know it was like a six month span. I mean, I think I think this movie does really well in its storytelling because I realized when right at the moment when the father hit mom. And he left. I had to pause the movie real quick because like, I, I don't remember what it was for when I watched it. Like, I think it was just to grab a cup of water. And it was at that moment I realized, like, damn, this was only 20 minutes into the movie. <laughs> but it felt like I just watched an entire lifetime mm-hmm. of an entire movie because it, it just captures the perspective of a child so well. Like When you're 10, you have no concept of time. Everything seems so slow or so fast. But then at the same time, it's just 
like I said, like when I was watching, it's like it honestly felt like such a long time, but it was only 20 minutes. That was 20 minutes of storytelling, and it just gave me so much information. Mm. It, this and, is dense. I mean, this yeah, is really it's, dense with the story. And it's, I loved, like you, I loved the pacing of it mm-hmm. because I think it, it brought a lot to it. But yeah, I mean, it's, you get so much from each character. And this is one of those films where the editing's really tight. Like, there's not a scene mm-hmm. that's wasted. Oh, definitely. There's not a thing I would take out of this mm-hmm. at all. I, I, it makes me mad because I just looked it up. This came out at the same time the kindergarten teacher came out, and the fucking kindergarten teacher won an award, but this didn't. Yeah. Fuck the kindergarten teacher. Yeah. Dude, this was so well done. This was yeah. so well paced. This is a director that understands momentum of a movie and has the medium completely at his control. Yeah. And just, Jesus Christ, this was so great. And then how it just, it's narrative. Like, fuck. All I wanted to do throughout this whole fucking movie was hug Jonah and tell him, right? it's going to be okay, kid. It's going to be okay. Life is going to suck, but you're going to grow up. Hopefully you're going to find a great partner. Hopefully you're, something great and cathartic is going to happen for you where you didn't have, have to deal with this. I completely empathize with that. And it just mm-hmm. is so heartbreaking because it even did a great job in explaining in expressing his homosexuality at mm-hmm. 10 you don't know what it is they don't have to verbally say it they don't have to even physically say it right. but the mo- that one scene completely tells you and explains to you how he is and it's just wonderful i'm sorry i, I mean whether be if this were real life whether this was clearly a bad experience for him or not like that was just wonderful storytelling i'm sorry mm-hmm. it was so great and then you have trash like the kindergarten teacher where she kidnaps a child and she's like, I can't believe this 10-year-old to call the cops on me. Fuck you, what did you expect? <laughs> so, side note, that movie is technically a remake of an Israeli movie done in 2014. Okay, you're right, you're right. Teacher. Kindergarten you're, teacher was a, was a, was a, was a Israeli remake. And yes. It can still uh, eat a bag of assholes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, straight up. It can eat a bag of dicks. I mean, you're right, Sharon. The original was a 2014 Israeli film. Right. But this one that I'm mentioning specifically is the Sundance American-made version, which can yes. still eat a dick. Yeah, yeah. So... No, this was much... <laughs> we Are Animals was so much better. Like, this is... This is a very mature filmmaker coming into this, I think, who really... I don't know where it's at in his filmography, but it is, it's a solid film. And like Marvin said, everything is, is controlled and used in a way to add to the film. Like there's nothing that's there that's excessive. There's nothing that there to take away or edit out. Like they've, this is, this is a solid, really well-told story. Imagine how hard it must have been for him to tell three little kids, this is what I want you to do. Like, Jonah, he is the most expressionless character, but there's a way he has in his facial expressions that just tells you everything. That he's confused, he's scared, he's sad, he's just... Dude, that 10-year-old conveyed it perfectly, and that's not easy for your 10-year-old, and that comes at the hands of a great director, and this guy did wonders, man. I mean, could you imagine thinking, okay, now I got... 
three days of filming with three kids under 13 that I'm going to have to go out into the woods with and film? Like, that is a monumental task to get some of those scenes shot. Yeah. Yeah. And they can maintain it and, you know, maintain the emotions and the expressions. And it's, it's a phenomenal accomplishment. Oh, totally. Like, one of my favorite things is every time they, like, are drumming their hands when they're like all just wearing shorts and going body heat body yeah. heat body heat like that's their little ritualistic chant mm-hmm. in like their own little made-up tribe in their own family i felt that energy i felt that happiness yeah. i felt that wanting of innocence from jonah and mm-hmm. like and he does it so well with that grainy vhs look filter he does with his camera to the mm-hmm. simplistic powerful animalistic beats mm-hmm. in his background soundtrack oh my god it's wonderful oh my god yeah, I could just fantastic i could pray i could write a thesis on this and <laughs> still not even like praise it well enough or explain everything but it was a great film so the director um jeremiah zagger he's done he's done a lot of indie films the last one was back in 08 which was called in a dream and then oh no he's done in a dream and then he also directed Deadly Sins, which was done in 2014 and Captivate. So he's been, he's been, he's, he's worked his way up, but he's still doing like a lot of small movies and stuff. But yeah. So. yeah no, this was really well done. And, you know, it really does capture the emotionality without being exploitive. It, yes, I completely agree with it. Like, at no point in the way did I ever feel uncomfortable watching three little boys. Like run around half naked for like at least three quarters of the movie because I, I personally felt like it explained so much at this yearning or not yearning for innocence because they, they're still mm-hmm. kids but this this expression of innocence on those three kids parts at no point did i ever feel like okay maybe this is too much to hear mm-hmm. about a husband beating his wife but he did it so well to explain your mother went to see the dentist and he accidentally hit her he's like no that's clear as an adult i can clearly tell that's not what happened but the kids kind of like you can't tell if the Play kids believe it. yeah but then you see jonah drawing it and it's just like oh god that's so depressing that's so sad i just want to mm-hmm. hug this kid and tell him it's going to be okay but it's not like in the way that you know lifetime movies handle you know abuse in families which mm-hmm. is just so over the top and you know well we have to capture the the drama and the intensity. This is so much of it is out of sight of the camera and through sound or whatever. And it's just, it's part of the story. It's, it's not the entire story. It's not the, Oh my God, now we have to get them into a shelter and do all of this and intervene. Mm -hmm. And, you know, or these over the top, you know, Valerie Burton, Nelly, Nelly, you know, I was raped by my high school gym teacher and now I'm in an (laughs) abusive marriage and Mm -hmm. I'm a cutter. And let's, how many things can we cram in this to make this poor pathetic character? This was just very, felt very true to growing up poor and in an abusive family. Like it, it's like, yeah, this is the shit you deal with, and it's your life, and you still find moments of happiness, and you still grow up, and it, I mean, it shapes you, but it's not your whole story, and that's what I loved about this. Oh, yeah, totally, like, when they found his notebook, and they just gave it to his, oh, my heart just shattered for the kid, but that wasn't, like, a huge moment. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was, but 
on film. Like they just that was all what three minutes. Yeah. He hit his mom. It wasn't that big of a re- it was still a big reaction, might I add, but it was not what I expected. Mm-hmm. The dad grabs him. You don't even know if the dad is okay with his expression right. of sexuality or not. He's just telling his child, it's okay, it's okay, it's mm-hmm. okay, tranquilo, 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 calm down. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all we get. And then we get an outtake shot of his shadow, his metaphorical shadow, casting over the background scenes in the snow. And it's just like, Jesus Christ. Right? And I think there's just something like this, like films like this, there's something to be said about this where they provide a prime example of why certain people love indie films or why Mm -hmm. indie films are such a great artistic expression because like you said, Auntie Vice, there's not a huge moment in those movies where it completely Mm -hmm. explains the character or that makes up the character. It's just a great artistic expression that the artist, the director, the writers understand and they're able to convey that simply and well done without studios or other right. background players telling them how they want it done. Mm. Like sometimes you don't need a big budget to make a great work of art. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So you just have to have somebody who understands storytelling and filmmaking. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. So this movie didn't really have a poet or poetry and people may say well why the heck would you pick this movie if it doesn't have the thing that you're always talking about it's like, it was well, on your list <laughs> well that too <laughs> <laughs> but, but as as even as y'all pointed out just the metaphors of everything the metaphors the the emotions the feelings the the reaction the point of view i mean these are what poems are technically made out of the you know the alliteration. I mean, when the children are basically beating the father's back with their hands, calling them bad, bad, bad. I mean, these are just those little those little things that no one thinks that don't really. When they see them in a the movie, they're like, "Why are they doing that?" You know, these little races, the little things that they can put together. These are the things that these are the ingredients for poems or storytelling. You know, these are the things that you know catch your eye and stuff. So technically. You don't have to be a poet to see. You can you be a poet and see this. It's because it, it just brings out the emotional stuff of what you are. What like Janet Jackson said, if you're, how can it be a good poem? If you don't feel anything. I mean, yeah, I I totally agree with that. I I completely and totally agree with that. It's just art is whatever you make of it. Right. Everything is whatever you make of it, and. It only has meaning as much as you're willing to put into it. Honestly, like you, I, I can literally sit here and do the Shia LaBeouf thing, where he said in an interview once, "Memes can be art as well if you put a very specific meaning behind it and have a very specific connection to it." Mm-hmm. In the same way as these kids are be- in the movie are beating on their dad's back and saying, "Bad, bad, you didn't come find us." There was a very powerful moment in there where they they that was an expression of the neglect that could have just been because he didn't find them during their little hide and seek play or from some built-in resentment from when he left them in the beginning that can be a lot of things and it's very visceral Mm -hmm. in a way that i think other films strive to, to connect to that that deep body feeling 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, a Michael Bay will do it with over-the-top explosions <laughs> and TKS sound and all that. And this is a much quieter scene, um, much less intense, but it's still, you feel it much more deeply, I think, than mm-hmm. a way... And I think, again, that's that's the folks involved understanding how, from the acting to the directing to the editing, how to put this together in a way to really reach the audience with the feeling that they want to understand. Like, totally, I thought it yeah. was just a beautiful example of, of excellent filmmaking. Yeah, there was a lot of moments in this movie that were just so cathartic. Like I said previously, mm-hmm. when the kids are going, body heat, body heat, body heat. Mm-hmm. That was so cathartic. Yeah. That, that was just... If I ever saw that in real life, I'm banging away with my hands on the ground with those kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, it was so rhythmic. It was so powerful. Mm-hmm. But does that make you, does that make you wonder? Because they went so tribal for... They were like, you know, so tribal for so long that, you know, at the end, starting at the end, we start getting to the end that you start seeing them you start seeing them drift apart you start seeing that the older two brothers the older two brothers didn't like Jonah as much as they thought they did they called you know they basically call him weird or he's kind of fucked up and they just kind of went on their own little they went on their own little tangent while he was he's still trying to hang with them but he just can't he can't agree with them and, and a lot of the stuff they do you know the, the smoking and this and that where even at the end when he had that whole point of you know they found his notebook he went out you know he's basically he was trying to just go back to sleep with them. And his mind, he thought that they could, they'll just, you know, snap back to body heat, body heat. And then you find out they didn't do it. He was like, okay, well, I'll just go lay down on the floor. Um, or, or I think he, I think he got dressed and then left. Mm-hmm. He picked his stuff up and just, mm-hmm. and just walked, just walked out the door, went down the winter. They went to the boys, whatever, but yeah. he just left. He's just, he just couldn't take it no more. He's like, they, they're not, mm-hmm. It's not the same anymore. I think that's just something so depressing. Like, that's just life. I feel like, and like it's, we said, the directors does so well in displaying that without having to say, well, we grew apart. And like, no. Right. Like, you, you see them, the smallest little scenes where they smoke, where they throw rocks at the cars, where they fucking, like, Manny sells his dad's necklace. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, that's going to kill you. He's like, I don't give a fuck what he thinks. And it's like, that was such a great passage of an explanation of time. Mm-hmm. Where they show these two little ass boys trying to act tough. Where like, like, And if that's not a message of how the world forces kids to grow up quicker than they should, I don't know what is. Yeah. But that was such a great explanation of it. That was such a great showcase of it. And then you have another one, the youngest one, who just feels so out of place. Who tries desperately to train, cling to his older brothers because they were close at one point, but they're not. And now he wants to run away and give Dustin the money that he stole from Manny. He's like, can I go with you? Oh my god. <laughs> that was such great exposition. Because that's the one to go to Philly. want to go back to yeah. Philly with his parents, yeah. And that's just such great exposition. Like, I don't even know how else to... <laughs> like, I... Oh my oh, god. It left me wanting to go get the book this is based on. Mm. This is just part of it. I'm like, okay, now I gotta, I gotta read more because this. Oh yeah, it completely sucked me in. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Like I said, like it's just like if the director was able to do all that without having to convey that much words, I can only imagine what the book is like. 
Right. Where right. you get to look into, hopefully, if it's a first-person narrative, look into what that boy is thinking and how he truly feels. Because, god damn, dude. Like, it's, yeah. it, it was something powerful. It was something amazing. So, coming to the next thing, would you prescribe this movie to a poet, a non-poet, or both? Both. Both. I don't think you even have to be a poet to watch this. Like, this, I would recommend this to anyone who's feeling in some kind of way ostracized. Like, this was a perfect movie to make you feel empathetic for that and have some catharsis. And it's just a really well done movie. Like, it's there with, you know, Beast of the Southern Wild, Mm. um, you know, and some of these other ones about, yeah, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Uh, the flies, what, what? No, what's eating Gilbert Grape? Okay. Um, oh, okay. Some yeah. of these other ones about you know younger kids coming into who they are, like mask. Uh, not the, not so much mask. Um, but I think this is better done than most of the other ones I've seen. The share mm-hmm. the share mask, not not the Jimmy Carrey mask. No, no, no. I know the share yeah. mask. But I'm, no, no, just, no, I'm just letting the people. I'm letting the people know. That's what I'm talking about. Because they're looking on. What the heck would he say? Mask for this? This the share mask. Go go back and look no, at that see, movie. I think that one's much more over the top and and really? from an adult perspective. Yeah. No, I I much prefer this one. Okay. So so coming close to our end of our show and stuff, I like to start off with our snap judgment and. With our snap judgment, we always go three snaps. The movie's good. Great. Go see it. Two snaps. It ain't bad, but it's not that good. One snap. This movie needs to go to a dumpster near you. And we always give it in a half snap increments. I like to say, Marvin, what do you give? We are animals. I'm totally giving this a three. The director was... Hold on. A device? Three. I will give it a three, too. Now, Marvin, tell me, why would you give it a three? Oh, the director was in complete control of his narrative, his ability to craft a story. I completely believe and feel for everything John is going through. Like, that level of alienation, that level of confusion, you feel every single weight, every single decision, every single action, you completely understand, empathize, and get with with so little words, with so little exposition. It was perfect. That was just master storytelling. Yeah. Vice, why would you give it three? Same as Marvin. It's a a fantastic film. You know, and I think most people will be able to to watch it and understand it and, and really connect with it. I gave it a three for the same reasons. I do feel that the protection of the of the three was huge until close to the end, because it seems like Jonah knew he had a he had a unit, even though the father and mom were still having issues. He always had a unit with his brothers, and even when they were robbing or doing whatever they were doing, he always felt protected until they got older and he started seeing that. They're, the unit is not they're, they're, the unit is not there no more. So yeah, I see it. I see it also the three. 
Well, I say nine out of nine. I tell people, go see this movie. Make it better than Kindergarten Teacher. Because, yeah, as you can see, that was a no-no on Sundance. <laughs> it was a no-no. <laughs> so upset that that won more accolades than this movie? What the fuck, people? I don't know. Shit's rigged. Shit's rigged. But you can please find, you can find, share, and subscribe us on Iambic Poetry Podcast. This is Rear Poetry, where we talk about movies, reviews of poetic movies. You can check me out at Iambic Zine. That's I-A-M as I-A-M-B-I-C-Z-I-N-E. Iambic Zine. I'm on all social medias. You can check out Marvin S on Instagram on Starvin Marvin 9 and you can check out Auntie Vice on all social media. We will be coming back to you next week with another special. What are we going to do next week, guys? What's on the list? Uh, let's see. So, the list portrays Okay, hold up. I gotta get this list up. Where is this? Uh, I had a culture list. Oh, come on. Here it is. All right. So we have here poetry, slam, blue car, holla, uh, Love Jones. You want to do, do Slam or Love Jones? If we do Slam, I gotta get I gotta get either a Slam, another Slam poet in this movie and in, involved to watch this. If that's, I mean, so it, it might be Anne. Yes, it might be somebody. But I gotta. Well, and get, next week it's a holiday week, so you want to do yeah. Love Jones? Sure, we should do. Did you know that it'll be just the three of us in case right. you don't get somebody else. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. So yeah. then, why don't we do blue car? Okay. Blue okay. car it is. Uh, you know what? We haven't done a poet yet. Let's do Naruda to get okay. it out the way. Sure. I want it because I'm looking at blue car. I I've, I read the prip the the synopsis on that. I I think it almost has the same feel as kindergarten teacher without the kid. Okay, so let's do Naruda then. Yeah, we'll Naruda. Do Naruda. okay, gotcha. So we'll do Naruda next. And yeah, we'll do Naruda next. And would you, since we normally do this on a, oh, well, well, first of all, let's, let's end the show and then we'll talk later. So, so that's our, let you know, people, nine out of nine. Go see We Are Animals. I am Sharon. That's Marvin. This is Auntie Vice. We will see you at the movies. Peace. Peace.